Welcome to the MI Hunting Podcast. This episode, I'm joined by a longtime friend as we discuss his success from last year and his strategy coming into this deer season. All right, welcome to the MI Hunting Podcast. Thank you for listening. Thanks for tuning in. So yeah, so this episode is uh, one I've been hoping for for a while now. A uh, good friend of mine, Mr. Richard Lee Wickup, uh, he joins over. I finally convinced him to come on over and do a podcast with me. So basically, we sit down, kind of just BS a little bit, talk about the success that he had last year. Uh, he actually ended up uh, shooting two bucks. One was uh, that belonged to his dad, but he ended up putting it down for him. And then on, and then the very uh, same hunt, ended up catching uh, with another one. And then that evening, also harvested a doe as well. So you get to listen to his story. We talk a little bit about why they were hunting the areas that they did, and and what led to the success, and then the bit of an adventure to try to get those deer out of there. Then we uh, go into basically talking his setup for this year, what his strategy is going forward, what you know type of terrain that he's hunting, why he's hunting it and how he's going to try to capitalize on trying to zero in on a good buck uh, for early season really so i'm not going to hold up too much on this one because it is a kind of a lengthy conversation we get on some tangents and get off topic a little bit uh, but i do want to give you plenty of time to be able to listen and watch so the only thing i do want to touch base on is that yeah this is really the 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 best time of year really i mean they've got all different seasons are open up i mean small game just open up bird season uh people are out of the goose hunting right now uh bear season elk season uh and it's just you know it's that time of year where all these hunt seasons are opening up and we're getting to get out and you know get out in the outdoors and do some hunting so whatever your passion is uh whatever type of game you like to go after i mean now's the time to really take it all in and you know get after it really so again not holding up much longer let's go ahead and jump into the conversation with lee months and then pick right up where we left off well yeah man i mean i don't know like even though like we haven't seen each other in what how many months god it's got to be at least eight or ten at least. You think that long even? I was going to guess six. God, there was still snow on the ground the last time I was here. Was it? I remember we saw you after your surgery, at least. Because even mm-hmm. Kim was surprised at how much weight you had lost. Yeah, it was, uh, I want to say it was like February or March. I will say, though, man, your ears look a little big for your face now. <laughs> they do. They look <laughs> extremely huge. <laughs> <laughs> I know that when you came in, like, yeah. His ear, I never remember his ears being that big. It's back to high school when my ears were like Dumbo. I used to get called that. That was a nickname. Well, that or they fit your face. Now they don't, man. No. You look good. They don't. I look at my driver's license. I I got pulled over the other day, and the cop looked at my driver's license. So he looked at me. I'm like, that's me. I, I promise you it's me. You know, I got a coworker. Same thing. Like her, like her, uh, her employee badge. Yeah. Like, you're like, that's not the same person. No. Like. I was like, I freaked out because I ran her sleep study 
never remembered it. She started working for us like months after she'd been with the department. She's like, oh, yeah, you ran my sleep So I'm like, no, I didn't. Yeah. Like, no, I would have remembered you. But yeah, no, she, she had the same surgery you did. It looks completely different. So, Dude, it is literally life-changing. Yeah. Well, it's great that you've been able to continue to keep the weight off and lose more weight yet. I've seen or heard of people that get the same surgery and they put it right back on. Put it all back on because they're they don't make the lifestyle change necessary to keep it off. It's on. it's hard for that lifestyle change because like I still fall into working so many hours. I want to eat late at night when I get home. So you know, I still have. I'll be the first to tell you I still have pizza rolls in the house. <laughs> yeah, it's but tough. I only eat like four or five. It's tough, yeah, because. Same thing happened to me when I was working night shift all the time. Like you go for the easy meal and the easy meal is not a healthy meal. You're like, I don't know how many times I get home from work, like working night shift, like grab like a like bowl of like Captain Crunch or like Lucky Charms or something like that. Put down two bowls of Lucky Charms and then go to sleep and expect like be surprised why I gained weight. You gaining weight. Come on, dude. Over one winter because I was working so much, I gained 30 pounds. No joke. I'm, I'm I freaked out. I was pushing 200 pounds. And I couldn't I couldn't gain 5 pounds for like 10 years. Yeah. Dude, you remember when we all used to go to the gym? You know they have no gyms like that anymore. Like Borgata doesn't exist. A gym like that, there is no gym for heavy lifters. None. So, like, I go to Battle Fitness now. Obviously, you used to go there. Yeah. I go there two to three times a week. Um, last, you really? The last two weeks, I haven't went because I've been so busy, but I try and go two to three times a week. But we need to coordinate after because Kim and I are both thinking about starting to go again. Dude, do it. I would love to have some. My brother goes with me. Yeah? Yeah. And I've been trying to find somebody that knows a little bit more about workouts and whatnot than I do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was always about lifting big like Russ, and I can't do that no more. <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember you had your knee issue. So, yeah, you got to be careful of that. Oh, but, dude, it doesn't even bug me anymore. I was going to say, how's it feel now? It doesn't even bug me anymore. Fantastic, man. But, yeah, so the big thing was because I brought you on. I've been meaning to have you on because I wanted you to tell your story about your opening day bucks. Because was it Thanksgiving that you sent me the picture of the buck you got, and then you and then you dropped a bomb that you got two bucks. It was Thanksgiving Day when well, I got them I both. Thought it was th- I thought it was opening day. No, it was Thanksgiving Day. So Thanksgiving Day, you got two bucks. Two in ten minutes. <laughs> Three for the day. And didn't your dad get one that same day too? Oh, uh, that, that part. The, the first one was his. Technically, it was his. Technically, we, it was uh, his. We went and set a clear cut by a creek that we had never never even been in. We had drove through and seen deer. We just decided we were going to go in there and sit one morning, and I sat him up because he's got a bad leg up in the clear cut. Okay. I went down in by the creek and sat down. It was pretty open, so I knew I could get some shooting in, and there was a little opening in the clear cut I seen in the map, and I walked him in and set him in. We went in there after daylight. It wasn't nothing. We didn't figure we were going to see anything, but just to get a layout. So you went in... After it was already daylight. Mm-hmm. It was it was daylight for probably about 20 minutes, half hour. So we knew where we were going. Okay. Um, And I sat him down and uh, he just sat at the bottom of a tree. And I went down and sat by the creek and it was probably 
God, I want to say we sat there for like an hour and all of a sudden I heard a shot. And so I knew we were the only two in there. Okay. Because we would have seen somebody else in there or we would have heard him coming in. Um, and I heard it shoot. So I knew it had to be him. And I was down by the creek and I could hear some crashing coming down because it was down a little knoll to get to the creek. It opened up and I watched it come down and it stops in the creek. Well, if it kept going, it was going to get too thick and I really didn't feel like tracking in the swamp and I knew it had to be his. Okay. So I shot it and killed it. Of course, it drops in the creek. All right. I made. Were you like, did you see that it was bleeding or something? Yeah. Like that? Or, yep. oh, okay. Yeah. You could see the blood trail coming down. Not to mention the fact in my scope, I could watch it pumping out. Mm. So I knew it was. So it was a dead deer walking. It was a dead deer walking, but. You just wanted to. How far did I really want to drag it? Because I knew my old man wasn't crossing the creek. <laughs> All right. So how far away was your dad from you? About 80 yards. Okay. So he was just basically up. Just up on top of the ridge from me. Okay. It wasn't a huge clear cut by any means. So could you could you technically see him from where you're at, or no? If I would have stood up, I could have seen right over the knoll. Okay. All like right. that's how close he was to me. I knew without a shadow of a doubt it was his shot. All right. Um. So when it came down, I shot it. Uh, I didn't have any of my muck boots or anything on. You know, <laughs> I had my regular work boots on. Yeah. So I remember this part of the story that you. So we went. Drove the truck down by the creek because there was a campsite there, and I was probably 100 yards from it. So we went out and got the truck, drove it down, got his concrete boots out, which were not very tall. And the creek wasn't very deep where that one was shot. He tells me, he's like, I'm just going to leave my gun here. All right, that's fine. And I almost put mine in the truck because what are the odds after two gunshots of seeing another deer? But... It's rifle season, you know, you still get the bucks that are in late rut. You know, all right, well, I'm going to go ahead and take mine. I know better than to do this. And I took like 20 steps from the truck and an eight point jumped in the creek. <laughs> like I watched it come down from where he shot that one, run into the creek. That's when I heard it and looked up standing in the creek. Well, I pull up, see it's got a big rack, drop it in the creek. So it's rack gets caught up on a log in the creek. So we go down, get his out. You know, I still haven't gotten wet. And uh, get his all gutted, get it up to the truck, get it in the truck. And I go to get mine, and I can't even get within 20 yards of the creek without being knee-deep in muck. <laughs> so I go down to where we shot his, and I come up the creek, 8.30 in the morning, and I am soaked from the waist down in this creek. <laughs> and then I have to drag it through all the muck. Yeah, I I was ready to go home after that. Well, I thought I thought you had harvested too. So it was your it was your dad's buck that you had yes. shot and put down for. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I thought you I thought he harvested one and I thought you took two. No. Okay. Oh, I I took another deer that day. It just wasn't a buck. Okay. Yep. That that I won't shoot three deer in one day again. <laughs> Why not? That was a lot of work. Well, yeah, but it was worth it, wasn't it? It was. It was. Uh, it was a pretty long season of not seeing anything or shooting anything, and then all of a sudden, it all happens in one day. Well, I mean, needless to say, you got a lot to be thankful for on Thanksgiving. Yeah. Right. <laughs> all right. So I do want to back up quite a bit to where uh so why did you pick the spot that you did 
there was a lot of browse around that you could see that the deer were eating on. Okay. Um, I, like I said, we had drove through and seen a lot of deer and I did a lot of, uh, scouting on like Onyx hunt, a lot of, uh, internet scouting. Um, and I had seen the topographic where it, it dropped down and everything and it looked like a pretty good spot and we had seen deer there. There was always deer crossing the deer tracks, crossing the road and whatnot. And it just looked like a really good spot to sit. So we just decided we were just going to go try it one day. We weren't seeing deer where we normally do. So any egg in the area? Or nope. It? So you're looking at terrain and then there was the creek there. Yep. You got a water source and then what? What do you browse for? Yeah, food? browse. It was a clear cut. So it was clear cut probably th- two, three years ago. So they got all that new growth. Exactly. All the, all the new trees coming in. Okay. So when we when we walked in and I found that clearing and that I was on a deer trail and you could watch where the browse had been eaten. Okay. Oh. That is one thing that I've noticed. Like as I've gotten better with my wood woodsmanship, woodsmanship, <laughs> that uh, the uh, noticing those that browse area. Like before, I would just walk through the woods, like see a deer trail, and just follow it. But now, haven't done it enough start seeing like all those little saplings eating off the tops, missing leaves. And you're like, okay, there's, there's deer in here because they're browsing. So I grew up hunting over bait. I'll be the first to admit it. Everybody. So it, it, it was a new, new thing for me to learn when it all got outlawed and everything. And my cousin, he, he didn't grow up hunting that way. He grew up hunting with looking for browse, looking for oaks, water, trails, scrapes. Sure. I mean, I still look for oaks and I still look for scrapes and rubs and, you know, you look for the sign, but I really didn't care about beds. I was hunting on bait. Like, eventually they're going to come there. Right. Not so much anymore. So, I'm, it's a new style of hunting, and I'm learning a lot as I go. But yep. Same thing. Like, growing up hunting, I I thought I knew more than I did for sure. And then Amen. when I started getting back into it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I know what I'm doing. Realized I knew nothing anymore. Yeah. And have had to relearn the whole process all over again. So... So, yeah, so that's primarily why I'm asking is because I wanted to know what you saw, why you thought that was a good area. So you saw the browse, you got the trails, you got the creek there. Yep. Now, were you when you were around the creek, were you basically focusing on, like, where you knew that they were crossing the creek at a certain point? So when I sat him down, I watched where the trail went over the ridge and goes down into the bottom by the creek. And uh, it opened up like a little cedar type swamp down by the creek on the side that he was on still. Okay. Um, and then when it crossed the creek, it went to a thick, muddy mess swamp because there was another creek about another 400 yards that all widened into each other. So it just turned into a muddy mess the second you crossed the creek, which <laughs> okay. is why I didn't really feel like tracking that deer any farther <laughs> over there than I needed to. All right. Oh, yeah. All right. So then, so... um. How big was the buck that your dad shot? Oh, it was a five point. Five point? Probably what? Two and a year two year old or a year and a half, you think? Mm, it was probably a two year old. It was a pretty decent size five point. Yeah? All right. So he shot, you put it down, you guys, you're getting up, and then because you hadn't made it back to the truck yet, and then your buck showed up. Oh, right? we were to the we were to the truck. We had drove the truck down by the creek. Okay. And that's when I got his his boots on because I didn't plan on getting soaking wet. Um, you know, I was in my mind, I was going to shoot it and just drop it and not have to cross that creek. Well, little did I know it had different plans. 
All right, so so you got the truck down there. You're getting ready to get your dad's buck, and then we turn around. Like I got my boots on, and I turned around, and we both started walking. I, like I was headed back to get his, but I had kept my gun because weird things happen, and sure enough, they happened to me that day. Yeah, that's good heads up though, because I mean, it's so easy to think like, oh, we're done. Not worth carrying the gun back because it's just one more thing to carry. So that was good heads up. I mean, yeah, I mean, you only make that mistake probably once and realize like, no, 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 no. Always keep the gun with you. And I've, ma- I've made that mistake. I went hunting with him years ago when I was a kid and we had both put our guns away. We were getting ready to go back in and get the deer. And literally we had no more than closed the doors. And a big buck comes running right out and stops like 70 yards from us. And neither one of us had a gun. We All we could do is watch it. Yep. I turned around to try to get to the gun, but it was gone by then. That's I've ran into the same situation, even just bow hunting. We're like, take my release off, put my boat, my arrow back in the quiver. And there's been times where like you run into a deer. Or I've I've had it happen more times with coyotes. Yep. Where um, and I've 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 yet to get a, a coyote with my bow, and I'm trying so hard. But yeah, there's one. Didn't have my release on. I got my release on. I got my arrow knocked. And by the time I went to go draw back on it, that's when it realized I was there and it took off. So, yeah, even when I'm coming in and out, it's like if it's an evening hunt, I put my release on before I make it, you know, take off. Yep. In the morning, I leave my release on until I get back to the truck because <laughs> I've run into so many deer that were just, you know, there. You, right. you stumble upon or you cross paths and you're not prepared. So, yeah, that's good heads up by having the uh, gun with you. Especially so now, that time of year. They're still getting the bucks that are late into the rut, and they are still acting stupid. I mean, no deer in their right mind is going to run where they just heard two gunshots. You wouldn't think, yeah. But he truly did not care. <laughs> now, did he come down basically the same trails that your dad's buck did? Or? No, he actually came down closer to me. So he, I don't even know that he was on the trail because I didn't see him until he jumped into the creek. Um, so from where his was, it was probably 100 yards from the truck when we drove down by the creek. Okay. And then literally I took maybe 10, 15 steps from the truck and I seen him and shot him like damn dead between the truck and his deer. Yeah. That's, yep. that's what's up. That's funny, though, the fact that he came within that close. And I mean, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you, it was one of those times when you're down and out, like, you're just like, man, I haven't seen no deer. It's been a grueling season. I hunted all bow season, didn't see nothing to come in range, seen bucks, but nothing would come in range. So you're, you're feeling pretty beat up, huh? I was feeling pretty beat up at that point. So yeah, that's, that is one of the beauties I think, especially with deer hunting. Same thing happened to me. Like, uh, I hunted early season. Like I had these spots I thought were going to be great for early season. They were a bust. Every one of them. We hit like October 20th. First time sitting in a new spot. And all of a sudden this big old buck shows up. And then I, I chased him for like two weeks trying to get it on them. Yep. Get on them. Now never worked out, but like it's amazing how quickly it can flip flop. And that's, it only takes about three seconds. Yeah. yeah for your yeah. entire season to change. Yeah. Yeah, like, I don't know, like, you, you, I don't know if you ever play these games where, like, you, like, intentionally try not to pay attention. Yeah. Like, knowing that, like, the moment I'm not paying attention, that's when they <laughs> show up. 
So, like, you try to play that game of, like, trying to test fate of, like, I'm not paying attention, I swear. Now's me, a good time for a deer to come by. Me, I like to hunt in rifle season when there's a blizzard coming or muzzle loading. When there's a blizzard coming and all of a sudden the wind picks up and you can't see 10 feet in front of you and it settles down and all of a sudden there they are. Oh, yeah? They just appear. I haven't noticed it so much now hunting the style that you have to hunt now versus over bait. Like bait, that was how it was. That was just, I remember being a little kid and that was just, when I first started hunting, that was the adrenaline rush. You'd wait for the wind to pick up because you knew all of a sudden just poof, for the magic time they'd be there. Yeah. I ran into that, I noticed that quite a bit, running food plots on the private ground, you know, knowing that you have a really good food source and you get like either like a heavy storm, like either a rainstorm or a lightning storm or a big blizzard or even like a really cold like cold snap like if you get yep. if you get single digits you know they're coming with the food and you just you just got to wait them out yeah, that's all you that, had to do that's all you had to do i will say i have seen a lot more deer and bigger bucks not hunting that way than i ever have yeah yeah it's i and the funny thing is like now we're on a, on a completely different tangent but that's one thing i like about going to like the state land um, or public land, I guess you could say, is you can try a lot more techniques yep. than you would if you were sitting over a food plot or a private piece of ground that, you know, you, you're basically just waiting on the deer to show up. So, um, but yeah. So, so you got your buck after, you know, so what do you think? Do you think he was just cruising looking for does then? Like, yeah. So he just didn't care that there was... He, he was not in a hurry whatsoever. Now, did you see any does that morning come no. through the area? Nope. So just they, those two. They were just they were the only two. They were the only two deer that came through that morning while we were there. Okay. Um, You could see tracks where deer had been through there that morning because there was a little bit of snow on the ground. Not much, but there was still a little bit. Yeah. And you, you'd be down by that creek. You probably didn't have that much. Nope. Yeah, because it's always... That water holds that temperature that we are doing exactly yeah so and then how how old do you think your buck was that you shot i'm gonna guess he was probably two and a half three yeah i think if if i remember closely the picture you sent me he looked like he looked like a dandy too and he was what an eight pointer an eight yeah he wasn't wasn't super heavy horned wasn't wasn't wide he was pretty tall i mean he would have been a lot bigger this year obviously but it was just what it, it ordered for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, especially, like, I don't know. It's always weird. Like, on the farm, like, I like to go for or try to go for a three-year-old or better. Like, right. this guy that I got with my bow, like, I didn't care. He looked good, so I shot him with my bow. And he, he was only a two-and-a-half-year-old. Now, going forward, ideally, if they're three-year-old or better. Right. State land, if I think they're a two-year-old, they're getting an arrow. <laughs> like, well, not even questioning it. A yeah. year and a half old little basket rack, they'll probably get the pass because I can always shoot does for the meat. I do want a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger buck on probably land, but right. But yeah. But again, as the season progresses, that that, that standard, standard goes down. The standard switch, you know, gradually gets more lenient for sure. So all right, so you got him. You had to go <laughs> into the creek, through the muck, yeah. drag him out, which that's, uh, you ever listen to Mark Kenyon's Wired to Hunt? Yep. 
he always talks about type two fun. Yeah. That sounds like type two fun. It was. It sucks in the moment, but it makes a great story. Oh, it made the best story that that whole day. So, yeah. So how deep was the muck that you had to go through? Oh, I was all in knee deep. Okay. All now, of knee deep. I will say I tried going out steelhead fishing this this spring out to Otter Creek. Yep. I fell in a hole that was almost. I almost went over my waders. Oh dear God. I fell in muck. The water was six inches deep. I fell in a muck that was chest deep. I almost was going to have to call for help because I didn't know if I'd get out of it. I literally went from like solid ground, one step, bloop, chest deep in muck. <laughs> so muck is no joke because you never know how deep it is. Well, it started getting deeper in some spots. When I got him out of the creek, it wasn't too bad. I got about, it was only 30 yards of it I had to cross, but it took me like 25 minutes to drag him through there. Like I thought about gutting him right by the creek so I didn't have to drag all the extra weight. Yeah. But. Did you think about any point just like either toting him up river or down creek to. You could walk, but you had to cross over all the, like the creek was actually pretty deep for a while where he was at. Okay. Um. You'd have to get him up over a bunch of log jams and stuff, and it oh. it would have been more of a hassle to do that than it was to get him out. You t- you took the path of least resistance, huh? Uh, pretty much, or so I thought. <laughs> um, there was one where I stepped in and I went to my knee and fell forward because I had so much forward momentum pulling, <laughs> dragging him, and I fell forward. And luckily, there was a falling down log that caught me. Jeez. Yeah. Oh. Well, I'm. I'm glad that you didn't get hurt or it wasn't dangerous for you. It no. It was a pain in the butt. Again, you look back on it, smile, shake your head like, jeez, It made the best story, though, and <laughs> the best Thanksgiving. Like, All right. Well, then, let's did, now, did you get this dough? I'm assuming it was the same night. The same night. So you went, you went. We went back out there. So wait, hold on. So you were saying that you're not going to do three deer again, but that you already have two, and you went out the following that same. We night. went out that night. <laughs> hey. We uh, we went out there that night, and I because I had cyber scouted a couple spots, and uh, my dad looked at me and he goes, "Well, you know that's that looks like a pretty good spot," and I'm like, "Yeah, but you got to get back in there a ways for it to be good." But you could see where they were crossing the road. Okay. So I was like, well, why don't you go sit that other clear cut up there? Because there was multiple clear cuts over there. Um, this one was probably only maybe a year, maybe two years old. Didn't have a whole lot of brows, but you could see where deer were crossing through it. And I told him, why don't you go sit up there, take me up there, but I'm going to walk this road back. It was probably a mile and a half, two miles. <laughs> and uh, so I just slowly walked the road back and... Uh, Two does crossed the road, and it was like five minutes before the end of light. I ended up shooting a doe. Um, so yeah, three deer in one day is a lot, lot to take care of. Well, I mean, you already got all your supplies out of it. So I, <laughs> I mean, everything was out and bloody and dirty. So <laughs> why not, right? Yeah. So yeah. So so was this in the same area where you got your bucks, or did you go? It was probably quarter mile from where I shot them. All right. So what was what what looked good about that spot then? Oh, uh, it was a uh, hardwoods, not pines. So there was a transition line. Okay. There was a hard transition line. It was a thick uh, red pine, so you couldn't really see in it or through it. 
Okay. And then it crossed the road into probably a five or six year old clear cut. Um, and there was a, a, a prominent trail that crossed right there. That's where I originally wanted to get back to. And I knew if I made it back to there just before the end of light that I was probably going to see something cross there. Um, but they were crossing in to the clear cut just like I thought they would. So they were going out to the clear cut for their evening. Exactly. All right. Did you, did you pinpoint any bedding or did you just know that that's where their food source was and they were just going to come? Uh, between the, so the hardwoods, when I walked, I had walked at hardwoods, um, probably two, three months before and there was no oaks in it. It was all maples and popple and stuff like that. So there was nothing for them to eat there. Um, and when I didn't see nothing, they weren't crossing the road back to towards where we shot them bucks. I kind of figured they had to be going the other way. And that's when uh, I had seen that trail. When I seen the transition on the cyber scouting, I seen that trail when we drove through there. And I kind of figured that's probably what they were going to be doing. So you were able to see the trail even just from the digital mapping? Yeah. No. I seen that on foot. Like oh, okay. when we drove down the road okay. looking for trails. That's when I seen that trail, which was right exactly where I figured it was going to be. So it caught your eye because of the clear cut and then the transition between the yep. different type of cover. The, the transition on the cover and then the clear cut. Yeah. It's amazing. I wonder what the evolutionary like advantage it is for deer to hang on to those edges like that. Like If it's just like a good escape route where they can go one way or the other. But yeah, they love, whenever, like even if it's like mature timber... If you have mature pine or and then next to mature hardwood, like that edge, for whatever reason, is... That's a coverage differentiation and that they love that. Yeah, I don't know. It, yeah, it's either that or like even if you have like... Like I've ran into um, in some of the state land by me where you might have like a, a solid like hardwood. But if you have a terrain difference... Like, even if it's all the same style timber, like, even if it's all mature timber, you find an elevation difference, that's where it is. It's like, even, you, it, I don't know, I look back at it and realize, like, it's so much simpler than you would think. Yeah. Like, just look for the transition, look for something different, and you're probably going to find deer sign there. I look at all the spots I used to hunt, and I wondered why I could never close the deal. I would see them on camera, but I could never close the deal in person. And I look back at them after learning all this other stuff, you know, bedding and scrapes and topographical and your transition lines. And I look back at it now. I'm like, well, no wonder I was in the completely wrong spot. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. Even from season to season, I look at a spot uh, and I'm just like, like smack yourself in the forehead. Like, yep. you dummy. It's right there. There's the answer. And so, it, yeah. So my cousin's the one that actually got me back into bow hunting. Yeah. And that's now he's got me into looking at all that other stuff and whatnot, and you know, watching Dan and Fault and Exodus and all those guys, and listening to the podcasts. And yeah, I've learned more this year about topographical stuff than I ever have. Yeah. So with that, because. All those guys have, you know, you listen to any of the, the big-time hunters, the guys that get it done every year, they all have their own style. So I'm curious, have you been able to pinpoint a style of hunting that you think is more of your niche or more of your what your style is? 
honestly, I'm kind. I like. I take a little bit of information from all of them, and I've created like my own style. Yeah. Um. So what what would be like? Are you focusing on the bedding? Are you looking at transition areas? What do you think is like your thing that you key on? So the one thing I've keyed on this year is one. I'm hunting a lot more clear cuts. Okay. Um. Now, are you, of, cut, are you are you on the edge of the clear cuts, or are you just focusing on that? That's the food source. Uh, come in edge from of them. There? Okay. So I like that transition where it'll it'll end and it'll meet the hardwoods. But then again, I also look at you know what's what's the the topographic layout of it? Is it is they got like a little bench? A lot of the ones I found this year, I I like to try and find where they have clear cuts and then they have oaks outside of them, or okay. maybe they left the oaks in them. Yeah, that that's been really key for me to finding sign this year. And I mean, I'm no professional at it, but right, I've I've learned a lot in the last two years, and that has been one of them: the clear cuts with oaks next to them. Yeah, I would say, for me, I would probably say I focus on the clear cuts more so, especially the, like the area where I had the encounters with the bucks last year. He was in a clear cut. He was following basically the high sides of the clear cut. Like there's like two higher points and there's a little bowl that ran like basically the whole length of it. Yep. And he was sticking to those high sides. And the one high side had some more mature... Um, pines that added for cover and then yeah so like you you take all those advantages so it's the clear cut i'm at the edge of the clear cut and i'm on both sides of those high points yep so it's yeah you just you're just hedging your bet but that's the area that they're looking at a lot of the things i've been finding this year when i'm around the clear cuts and i find the oaks is if i i look for higher elevation i look for um benches where it comes out to like a point um i i've been getting into a lot of that finding still finding a lot of beds um i've been primarily looking for scrapes and stuff as to where i'm hanging my cameras right now yeah i was just gonna say so out of like doing all of your e-scouting like i'm sure like when you first started your success rate of like finding a good spot or find a spot that had sign was probably pretty low very where do you think you are now like percentage wise well actual success rate of finding what i thought was going to be there um betting i'm probably 60 percent. really okay um scrape wise this was the first year i've ever actually found my own scrape where i thought it was going to be i'll yeah. be the first to admit it um now there's nothing wrong with that like i focus i of course, because they're the easiest to find, I always find rubs. Find the rubs. Yep. And even, like, I don't get excited, like, if it's just, like, especially if it's, like, a sa- like a sapling or, like, a bush that's got a rub on it. But if I see that there's historic rubs, like, well, that one looks like it's from last year. That one looks like who knows how many years. And this one looks like it's from, you know, this year. Then I'll pay attention to it. That's what I usually can. Scrapes, I suck at finding good scrapes. Like, I'll find the ones that were probably just, like, a one-and-done. But finding, like, that nice, big, you know, community scrape that gets hit all the time, I'm terrible at finding those. Um, I haven't found the big ones. I found the, I found the little one this year, and I didn't really 
it made me question if it was even really a scrape. Like I knew it was, but I didn't know if it was going to be open or not. Right. Um, I actually got talked into putting my camera on it cause it was that iffy. Yeah. And I put the camera on it and literally three days later I had pictures. Yeah. <laughs> Have you played around with like, if you see like a scrape that might be, or an area that might be a scrape or even an area that you're, you're thinking you just put a scrape in there, like do like a mock scrape. Mm-hmm. Have you done that yet? Literally. I was just out in a spot with a cousin and we knew it was an old scrape. You could see where the, like historically they had chewed the brows and stuff on it over it and rubbed their head on them and everything. And I was setting the camera up and, uh, he just decided that he had to go to the bathroom and literally peed in that spot. And I joke you not, my camera wasn't sending pictures. So I went back in there and it's cause it's spy point. And I went back in there and pulled it up on a card reader. And two days later, there was deer coming in, scraping that spot. <laughs> yeah. So, no joke, I've done that where I've, like, I made a my scrape and I forgot, like, to bring the scent. Or I just didn't have any, you know, just did it out in the salient. And I, I'm one of those guys that will pee in a scrape yep. that I just made. Just because. You never know. I've used the scent stuff and not had any luck at it at all. And then he just walks over and and there it goes yeah there's something about it yeah it's like why waste the money on the rest of it yeah i will say though i i generally if i think about it, if i know i'm gonna make a scrape i will take some uh conquest scent i put the dominant buck in the dirt below it and i'll if i really if it's early i'll prime it and put some Evercalm on the whatever licking branch or whatever i have for the the overhead and i'll put some of that I'll notice initially does hit it immediately, and usually within the first couple of weeks, the bucks will show up and hit it as well. But again, I've done scrapes where I didn't put any scent in it other than peeing in it, right? And they show up anyway. So <laughs> who knows, right? But, so yeah, so you're thinking you're doing you're focusing more on the the clear cut for food, yep, and then you're running cameras to pinpoint on those trails that they're coming in and out of now how far off those uh clear cuts do you think that you're pushing in towards where you think they're bedding at or do you do you scout to try to find where their bed is i i scout and try and find their bedding um i've got one a couple spots actually where i can find their bedding and they're only like 40 50 yards off the edge of the clear cut do you think that's a buck bedding or do you think that's the does? Um, one is, I'm pretty certain it's does because there's 25, 30 beds in the same spot. And they're varying in sizes. Sure. I would have to assume that was probably some does and fawns. And, and then there's some other spots where it's, the beds are all about the same size. They're pretty good beds. And it's like literally right around a knoll. And there's four or five beds and that's it probably change in wind directions do you ever look for it so i heard um one of the honeybees guys talking about like if he finds like what he thinks is a buck bedding area that he'll actually look for like uh either full-on rubs or even just antler marks on the trees like it may they may not even be like a full-on rub but he'll just notice like some scratches on a tree have you pinpointed any of that type of stuff or no i can't say i've pinpointed that yeah there's one area that i found where it looked like a bedding area, and there were rubs around it, so I assumed it was a buck. But again, it was after season, so who knows? Right. If it was 
if it was the case or if it was just a bug just using that area for rubs. So, hard to say. All right. And then you're doing a lot more of the mobile hunting. So you've got a, a mobile tree stand. Hopefully shows up before season. Hopefully it shows up before season. I waited too long. I procrastinate. Yeah. Well, it happens. I mean, like I said, there's stuff that I've thought about ordering up, but I'm like, well, just hold off. <laughs> yeah. It's so late in time now. You might as well just wait. Yeah, and it's tough too. Like with the, the with the supply shortages and stuff, all your lead times are much longer. I'm still waiting on a dozen arrows that I ordered <sighs> back this spring. I'm probably wow. I'm probably just gonna call the company and be like, I I just want to return. Yeah. Like they're still temporary out of stock, and it's been <laughs> at least six months that I've been waiting on these arrows. So. Just tough, but yeah. So you're doing mobile hunting. So let's get into. Do you have a, a plan for early season? Uh, I got one spot right now that um, the bucks had disappeared, and I found them again. Luckily, they did their shift the second they got hard horned. Um, and I found them. So do you think they're the same bucks then? One I know is the same buck. All right. How far do you? How far did he shift? Or how far did he? He shifted pretty close to about a half mile to three quarters of a mile. All right. And and then I just found him. I didn't find his bed. I just have pictures of him in the area. In the area just after daylight. So I can't be too far off of where he's at. But it's so the same. Got, is it so? It was a morning picture you got him. Morning. So, yeah, so you can't be far from his bed near 7.30 in the morning. That's about a half hour from his, I got to be pretty close. You're, yeah, you're, you're within his comfort zone for sure. Yes. That's what's up. All right. Hopefully I don't spook him trying to sneak into that spot. Now, do you have good access route and good stand placement for a win? I do. Do you have multiple win situations? I do. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I was uh, just, I had to go in and change my uh, batteries today. And that was one of them that you are doing. I, I walked in and I was actually on the phone with you <laughs> as I walked in. <laughs> okay. And I was looking at trees and where I wanted to set up and which wins and known betting. All right, hold on. Kane, shush. You shush. No. Yeah, okay. Yeah, sorry. I I had a, a last episode. The dogs were going crazy, and it was hard to get rid of that distracting barking and whining. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. So you're set up for multiple wins. Now, I did note. Did you check the forecast? Did you see that the wind's going basically Supposed to shift? Ugh. It couldn't be any worse wind for the morning. I think. At least for this area where we're at right now, it's going to go from basically like a northeast wind at eight o'clock in the morning. It's supposed to switch to a southwest wind. Like, who's got a stand situation for that? That'd be tough. Depending on which bedding he's actually bedding in, I might be able to play that off on both in one stand. Yeah, the problem is you'd have to more than likely be farther off than what you would typically want to be. Mm -hmm. There is a tree I could probably set back about another 40 yards, and I could 
play that just off wind if it shifted. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Right now, for that morning hunt, I have to go through a lot more of my potential stand locations. All my good ones that I wanted for opening day, they'll be good for that first hour. <laughs> yeah. But then at 8 o'clock, they're, they're wrong. I think... I don't have a good setup for and even and even if it does shift in that particular spot, I don't have any pictures after like seven forty five okay, so if it still waned if it did shift to eight, I would still be safe to You're basically in the clear exactly, yeah, the one spot I was one, I had deer there later in the day, so i I would have had to wait it out, but again, that's like the two week forecast, so you know it's gonna change so. Exactly. I'm hoping that the temperature stays safe. It's supposed to be like 50. Oh, that'd be perfect. Morning. I've been getting nervous with this 80 degree weather. Yeah, it's it's supposed to get cold. We're I think we were actually due for rain the day or two before. There's a when I looked at Weather Channel, it was a 36 percent chance of rain Saturday. Okay. Yeah, last time I checked, it was supposed to be Friday the rain, which would have been perfect. A nice rain before. Just right after the rain opening day. Yeah. That'd be perfect. Yep. So hopefully the the wind simmers down, for at least for me anyways. Opening night, it's going to be a consistent base of the winds coming out of the southwest. I got a good spot for that. That's going to be, I'm going to be over food plot probably that, that evening. Yeah. But yeah. And then, now... Do you have spots that you think that are going to be good for early season, you know, pre-rut, rut, or are you basically staying in the same area? I have one I'm pretty certain is probably going to be more of a, a rut area. Okay. There's there's scrapes there. There's um, a clear cut that's close, but it's quite a ways away where they're primarily where they're bedding right now. And then I'll catch a trail cam picture of once in a blue moon of a buck but it's more does than anything right now okay and the does haven't shifted at all so come rut i think it's probably going to be a pretty good spot if i have all those does there you think it's going to be a cruise uh, eventually he's going to come cruising through yeah. yeah i don't know that's a I, that's the, i i suck at early season i always think i have a good spot like there was one spot last year like, it was an island out in the middle of this marsh. I'm like, there's a buck in there. I know it. Like, and there's two main trails coming off it. I can shoot at both. There's no deer in it. <laughs> there's nothing. Right. No deer. They were all on, like, the other side of the marsh. I could see them, like, coming out from, like, 250 yards away. I'm like, <laughs> well, this sucks. Like, nothing. And then I didn't get on that buck till October 20th. And then that's when, you know, pre-rut is hitting. Yep. Those bucks are cruising. So I suck at pre-rut. I will say I found, as long as they have acorns this year, I found some good spots where I'm going to hunt over acorns mid-October. We'll see. And I've uh, I've been, again, listening to Mr. Dan Infall talking about oxbows where there's, you know, those kind of, like, cutouts around, like, water. There's two of them that are, one, I know for a fact, there's deer in, and there's only one way out of it, unless they want to cross the big river. Another one I got to still finish scouting, but that's thick and nasty. 
I have to come in basically from like the river side because otherwise there's no way you can get in there without letting everything know that you're coming in. Right. But yeah, I'm banking on pre-rut basically. Maybe if one of the cameras show something still moving, but I had the one spot I was banking on that I had bucks on like nine, ten in the morning, like still on their feet. I'm like, oh, this is I got to be close. Right. They're gone. Not a picture. Nothing. They ghosted me. So I have no idea what I'm going to do for early season. I thought I had things planned out better, but. And that seems to be what I'm good at. It's early season. Really? And come every the rest of the year. I, <clears throat> unless it's late in the season and they're all about their food, then. Yeah. I do have on the farm, I've talked about this before on the podcast, I think I, I'm pretty sure I've got the farm figured out when the biggest bucks show up. I've got one big buck that showed up twice now, two years in a row on the same day. The biggest buck showed up in daylight on the farm. And it was probably close to about the same time of the day he showed up too, wasn't it? Uh the one, the two years ago, he showed up at 7.30. He walked 30 yards, within 30 yards of my blind, 7.30 in the morning. He, he was tracking some does. Last year, he hit every one of my mock scrape throughout the day. So he showed up at three different potential stand locations throughout the day. And a smaller eight-pointer showed up too, which... I don't know how old that buck was, but if I'd seen him, he probably would have got an arrow. Right. But this guy, for sure, would get an arrow. So I'm, I'm banking on that historical movement where he's going to show up somewhere between November 7th and 14th. Like, first week of October, November, I'm not even going to really focus on the farm, unless the cameras tell me otherwise. It's that second week of November. I don't know if it's that they know that there's those that are coming to estrus that time frame or if it's just part of their pattern where they make their loop through the farm. And I, out of all the things I've been listening to and watching Dan and all of them and listening to everything they got to say, that's actually pretty common. I haven't had that happen, but from what I gathered from them, it's pretty common to have them come through on the same day. Yeah, the only thing I haven't figured out, I'm still trying to figure out, is if a doe, if a particular doe will go into the into estrus same time every year. <laughs> so if she goes into estrus, let's say November 2nd, the next year, will she more, more or less be on November 2nd the next year? Now, I'm sure there's probably environmental stuff. You know, if she's malnourished, if she's, you know, I'm sure, you know, because again, the primary thing that triggers estrus is photo period yep so if it's you know excessive cloud cover you never know it might shift it a day or two one way right. or the other so i don't know how consistent a doe will be or if it's kind of random if she'll you know pick you know if she goes in estrus like i said november 5th and next year she's you know november 31st or not november october 31st right like how much of a variance to that i can't find any good literature on that so i don't know but I'm going just whatever the cameras are telling me that. If they're telling you he's coming through, then he's coming through. Right. So I would definitely be there. Yeah. And that's the goal. 
we'll see if I can get the vacation time because I got that and then opening day and then potentially going to my South Dakota hunt. And that's like puts me at like three weeks off in a row. <laughs> we'll see if I can pull that off. <laughs> but we'll see. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, I've yet to figure out the early season. They, they elude me after they do their switch. This was honestly the first year I've had any success at camera pictures and whatnot. Last year, last year I had a big one on trail cam. Again, it was by clear cuts and they had select cut everything and left all the oaks. It was a year old. So it's a two year old clear cut this year. Um, it's got more, even more growth, obviously. Um, but I seen him opening night. I had him on trail cam and I seen him opening night at like 10 minutes till dark and at 200 yards. I couldn't even, he wouldn't even think about following the does that crossed in front of me. Really? And, uh, I never seen him again. I seen the does off and on, but I never seen him again. I never had him on trail cam again. Nothing. And then, uh, after season, so it was like rifle season. I went and did some scouting at the other end of the block, about three quarters of a mile. Set a camera up just over a trail just to kind of see if maybe that's where they had shifted to. And I had pictures on that trail cam. I was getting 20 to 30 pictures a day of deer crossing through there and one picture of him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. The uh, the mature buck, I don't know. Still trying to figure that out. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's, I, it's so funny. Like, I always laugh the fact that I, have, I do a hunting podcast and I'm still, like, an average at best hunter. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Learning every day. <laughs> so I always laugh. I'm like... Like, uh, I still have yet to kill what would be considered, like, a monster buck. That makes two of us. But, I don't know, man. I feel like I'm this close to figuring it out. Yep. Like, last year, I thought I was going to get that buck. And yet he, because I had yet to really have that good of encounter with a mature buck time and time again, especially on state land. He did what a mature buck does. He he didn't make mistakes. He stayed without a range. He figured he figured out. He was cautious enough. Like he came within thirty eight yards, and he stopped behind the one tree that I couldn't shoot. <laughs> like he had to take two steps, one way or the other, and I probably could have got a shot. But he stopped right behind that tree. Yep. It's like they know right where to stop. Yeah, like like dude like. I mean, he. I called him in from thirty-five or one hundred thirty-five yards, and I got him into thirty-eight, and yet he proceeded to stop just within enough cover where I couldn't get a shot. That's something I've never had success in. Is calling. Yeah, I was gonna ask you about that. If you did, if what what you do calling wise, do you do you do any blind calling? I do not. No. I uh, I tried to do it once on a deer, and it all it did spook him. Like literally, so I just gave up. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, uh, I had a buck, which it was a, it was a sketchy situation to begin with, because I'm pretty sure he pegged me, but I was on the ground, 
So I think he didn't know exactly what it was. So I was grunting at him because he, he was looking at me, but I was kneeled down. So I'm like, well, maybe he doesn't know who I am. Maybe he might think I'm a deer. So I grunted at him and he stood there. <laughs> I snort wheezed at him. <laughs> he turned tail so quickly that he wanted no part of that. Yep. But I have a few years back down down at the farm, I uh I was listening to some guys and they were like talking about how they really aggressively called, like blind called. So they would do basically like a combination of like grunt, rattle, grunt, rattle, grunt. So I'm like, ah, oh, I'll try that. So I did the same thing. I grunt. Five minutes later, I do a rattle sequence. Five minutes later, do another grunt sequence. Wait 15, 30 minutes, and repeat it. And I actually called it a buck twice doing that. One, he came in, came to the edge of the, the woods, wouldn't come any further. <laughs> Basically like, all right, I'm here. Where's the dude I heard? <laughs> I don't see him. Stood there for 40 minutes. Wow. Wouldn't step out. Eventually, I think he either pegged me in the tree or figured, uh-uh, this doesn't feel right, and he took off. So second time, like, all right, I got him this time. I took a 3D target, <laughs> took it out there, set it up as a decoy. <laughs> like, all right, he's going to come in, see this decoy or see this target, think it's another deer, come in and do his thing. Right. Well, he came in like 40 yards further out, and he, this, he I called. So I don't know if maybe maybe he didn't hear me call this time, but he definitely came through within 15 minutes of the same time frame that he did last time. And he came in within like 5, 10 minutes of when I called. So I assumed he heard the calling and came in. We came in further out than what he did last time. So he walked by, and then he was basically like 15 yards from the decoy, and he turned his head, saw the decoy, and gone. gone. So I think it, just, it surprised him, and he took off. Part of it was I was using, like, I don't know what scent. It was, like, buck bomb. <laughs> I hosed the decoy down with buck, buck bomb. So I, I'm not sure if he just, because he saw it, or I think he might have winded the buck bomb, saw a buck, and was like, holy crap, <laughs> bugged out. Just, like, the smell and the sight of a deer standing there surprised him. He took off. Right. So. Calling-wise, I think it worked. The decoy if he came in and saw the decoy as he came in, might not have spooked him as much, but it surprised him. So, I don't know. I've had success blind calling, but usually it's my latest thing now is doing just a contact grunt. See a buck, do a burp, burp, get his attention, make him realize that there's potentially another buck there, and then just call him that quits. Now, like this buck last year, he came in. I he cut the distance by about eighty or to about eighty yards, and started heading back into the woods where he was gonna where he was heading to begin with. Gave him a couple more, burp, burp, and then he came back, looped back around, looked back into the clear cut, didn't see a deer. So he he said, "All right, well, there's no one here." Bugged out and went right. into the woods. So contact grunt-wise, I think you can get their curiosity enough to be like, well, who's that? And try to investigate that way. But outside of that, 
I don't know. I've I've had success doing both. So it's really it just depends on trying to read the deer and if you think what they'll respond to. Because yeah, I had an instance where I was a little too aggressive. The deer bugged out. Whereas other times I've called in like I was really aggressively. Usually you call in the small bucks. I'm not sure if you've ever experienced that where you, you either rattle or call and here comes a year and a half old just barreling in, <laughs> like not knowing what he's doing. <clears throat> so I don't know. It, uh, I am probably more aggressive little caller than I probably should be, especially for our area. But I don't know. If it works for you, go for it. I've never had any luck with it, so I... Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I had that buck. He came in twice, and I think because of the calling, and and then other times I played it. But so I think that's usually probably just the best is like if you're not seeing absolutely anything, go ahead and give it a try. You never know. And then if you see a buck, always try to pay attention to what their body language is telling you. If they're looking like they're real aggressive, you can be aggressive with them. But at some point, you may push them too far and they may bug out on you. Because same thing happened the second time I saw that buck on the state land. He came in, again, completely different direction from when I last saw him. I called at him. He wanted nothing to do with it that time. Hmm. I, I did the same contact run. He looked my direction, but was like, no, I ain't doing it this time. And just kept on his merry way. Third time. I contact run him. He cut the distance, but he didn't come for, far enough. <laughs> He's like, all right, I, I came my, you know, 10%. Where are you at? Right. And then the other problem was there's does. So he didn't, he didn't venture too far away from the does and he went off to them. But yeah, I don't know. It's always, yeah, you hear people that like, oh yeah, real aggressive calling people that don't call at all. And it's like, that's one of my things I'm most interested to talk about, especially with people that hunt in our area. What works for them? Right. So you focus on clear cut. You're basically kind of cutting them off to where their where their food source is, pinpointing their most likely route of travel. Right. And hopefully you find some hot sign that you can sit on. Exactly. Yeah. And again. I don't know. This year, again, I'm going to try to focus on late season. As soon as we start hitting some snow, I want to try doing some tracking again. I had fun doing that last year. Oh, it's a blast. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the one time I did, I, again, not knowing how to judge tracks all the best, I tracked down a doe, got within 80 yards of her. Hey. Could have shot her if I could have closed the distance a little bit more, but. So that's one thing I'm, I'm, eager for snowfall to build my skill with that so, I, don't know. I always love the first snowfall tells you where everything's at <laughs> it's so beautiful i know i always laugh this time of year too especially because people are like oh my gosh it's fall winter's coming i'm like oh yeah <laughs> yep here we go <clears throat> yeah oh, yeah yeah you feel that crisp in the air you get all excited it's like ooh. That was, I think it was like Monday or Tuesday when it was like 54 degrees that morning. I could go out and see my breath. Yeah. I was yeah. ready to hunt. And then yeah. we how, hit Friday and it's 85. How eager do you get when we get that first frost? Oh, yeah. 
I'm ready to be right in the woods. Uh-huh. Never fails. I got to work that morning too. Mm. There's always that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, man. So that's cool. You got your story in, which again, I'm glad you clarified that you didn't get those two bucks. You did shoot the second buck, but it was technically your dad's. Yep. But it's, it is always satisfying when a plan comes together. It is. When they do exactly what you thought they would do. So, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm so ready for season. It's, I mean, it's what, we're two weeks away? Yeah. Two weeks. Yep. Last weekend will be the last free weekend. Yeah. and Until about Christmas for me. Yeah. I know, right? I know. Even if I tag out, I think I'm just going to sit in the tree. <laughs> it's so quiet out there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. A friend of mine, he talked to Kim. He's like, you ready for hunting season? And Kim's like, seriously? <laughs> like. Yeah, I get to lose my husband every weekend from now until <laughs> January 1st. Real fun. <laughs> so, ah, whatever. I don't know, man. It's, it's that magical time. But this year I am going to try doing some duck hunting, too. You ever do duck hunting? I haven't. You want to try it? I might have to go with you. Uh, I'm, I always thought that it was always uh, October 2nd was opener for duck but this year it looks like I, again i don't know i don't know enough about duck hunting that makes two of us that it looks like it's october 8th so we got opening day is october 1st one week later it's duck opener aj is a big duck guy is he really oh yeah okay i don't know that he actually hits anything everybody says that everybody that's went with him says he does a lot of shooting that that probably be me that's probably gonna be me too i'm yeah. not gonna lie yeah yeah all right man well, we might have to try the duck hunt because I want to try it. And I know at least one good spot where I, was, where I was deer hunting last year around that marsh. There were ducks all over this little pond. And that was during the early season. So I'm like, go get some ducks early on. I'm down to try it. Never done it. All right, man. We'll have to go duck hunting then because that's definitely one thing I want to try this year. I don't even know how to clean ducks. That makes two of us. <laughs> it's going to be a learning curve. Then. It will be. We'll be like, great, we got all these ducks. Now what? <laughs> yeah. We should probably focus on getting them before we worry about cleaning them. Exactly. <laughs> I know. That's why I got a whole box of shells. Like, I'm probably going to miss so much, but whatever. My uh, my buddy's son, he uh, he missed a nice buck on the youth hunt, but he was he just went out bird hunting with his grandpa yesterday oh, yeah? and shot two of them. Nice. I don't know what he was shooting. He just said he got two birds. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I don't. I. I haven't done enough bird hunting to know. I know goose is open right now. Yep. One of the customers' houses. I was just digging his house, and he went down to the lake and shot two. <laughs> <laughs> Why we were there? He was twenty, I, so he didn't care going up and down the hill, running back and forth when they'd fly over. He didn't care. He'd run up and down the hill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. Is is I mean, I went out tried doing squirrel hunt yesterday. We didn't see any squirrels, but yeah, squirrel hunt, goose hunt, deer season's coming up, bear season is right now. Elk season's right now. Speaking of bear, I went in and pulled one of my trail cams today and actually kicked a bear up. Really? It was about eighty yards from me. 
<laughs> How'd that feel? And if it's the same one I have on camera, that was uh, sow with two cubs. Oh, that's so. Um, yeah, I was a little nervous on that one. Yeah. Do you? Let me ask you this: Do you carry? I do. Yeah. I am a, a CPL holder, yeah. and I have a nine and a forty-five, and I carry the forty-five when I go out in the woods. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When uh, down the farm, I got pictures of a sow with a couple cubs, and it's like I don't know, man. Like, is it? Always, it was always the uh, the morning hunts that made me the most nervous going through that creek bottom. Yep. It's like I don't want to be between mom and cubs for whatever reason, and you know, have it be like, yeah, a situation where I only have my bow. Yeah. So. I uh, I've seen quite a few bear in the spots that I've hunted. Um, I actually had one the first time I got back into bow hunting. I had one come up to the bottom of my tree stand. Really? And that was uh, two days later. I had my knee surgery, and my uh, cousin went and helped me after I recovered. And we went and pulled that right out of there, and I never hunted there again. Yeah, I've had two encounter. Well, yeah, technically two encounters with bear. One, I was so mad sitting on the field edge these bucks were like making their way towards me i'm like oh here we go like they're gonna get within range i'm gonna get a shot they pick their heads up looking in the woods and they take off like oh well what's coming well next thing i know through the leaves here comes a black figure yep I'm like i really hope that's a dog <laughs> stops right in this opening 35 yards out good size bear not a big bear but a right. good size bear i'm like oh here we go this is this is interesting i uh i've had them on trail cam and most of the time when i'm walking in like you you get that sense that something's around you can look around you'll see like a fresh bear track or some fresh poo and whatnot uh but it's it's weird, like that particular sow and cubs, I have them on trail cam at like 5.30 in the evening, and then 6.15, I have two deer on the same scrape. That is interesting that it does seem like the deer aren't affected by a bear presence, as you would think. Not at all. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've had pictures of like bear, coyote, bobcat. Yep. Cross through on the game trail and that you know 10 minutes later here comes the deer down the same trail it's interesting that like they can tell like if it's a threat or not i was uh <clears throat> hunting in manistee county one time and i was hunting not far from a friend of mine and he texted me we had went in at the same time we'd rode down together and he texted me he's like uh hey you got something heading your way and it was still dark like we got in there super early knowing other people hunted there so we'd spook them around to us and I'm like, man, dude, there is something at the bottom of my stand. What is it? That is not a deer. It started getting light enough you could see. I was like, that is not a deer. And we had bear on, on trail cam, but it was a huge boar. It was probably like a 450-pound. Oh, geez. It, but it never had. It was a boar. And uh, never seen him, never seen him. Finally, curiosity got the best of me, and I turned my headlamp on, and it was two cubs. Oh. No mom, just two cubs. Yeah. Yeah, the only other one, the other other encounter that I had outside of seeing tracks that look fresh was uh, I was hunting again down at the farm and down in the backfield, like the back corner of the property, and here comes a bear coming through, heading towards like the house. Yep. 
So I'm like, we got 15 minutes light left. I could I could wait it out, but I don't want to go through there in the dark. In the dark. So I got down, hurried up, made it through the little creek bottom area up the two track. I get to the top field. I look down the wood line. Within seconds of me popping up over the hill, here comes the bear. Like it was a good 200 yards out, but he it was running parallel with me, and I'm just like, all right, well at least we're on the open field. So I made it up to the house, and he stayed down there by the the, the wood line. But it was like, whew. If he had turned, we would have came probably face-to-face. Honestly, I'm more worried about coyotes in a lot of the places I hunt than I am a bear. I mean, a sow and two cubs, that makes me nervous. I'm not going to lie. But I've actually had coyotes follow me out. Really? I've shot two of them with my handgun because they were following me out, and I turned around, and they were like, 15, 10, 15 feet off the back of my heels. Jeez, that's aggressive. Like, you can hear them coming. Uh, I've never, I've had one meet me going down a trail. Like, it was coming one way, I was going the other. Which, that was funny, because I noticed it before it noticed me. <laughs> and, like, it got within 20 yards, and all of a sudden, like, stopped. Like, whoa, what's that? But then the other one, it was, like, 15 yards but it was going parallel. I've never had them. I get nervous. Me along. I get nervous when like you see them during daylight and you're like, man, I should, I should probably help out the deer population. But at the same time, and then I always like, man, that could be somebody's dog. Like, cause there's a lot of dogs that get mixed up in the packs out there. Yeah. I mean, that's like Kane. I, I didn't show you. There's a picture of a black coyote that has the exact same white patch that Kane does. And they look like cousins. Like See, that would... his ears are a little bit shorter because he's not a coyote. But like, if you saw them, like that's why I got that nice orange collar for Kane. Because if he ever gets out and takes off, he's gonna be confused as a coyote. And see that I would feel absolutely awful if it was somebody's dog. Like in the dark and they're trailing me out. Like you can hear them. Now we, you've come close enough. I don't care at this point. Yeah. But. Yeah. But yeah, man. I don't know. I'm I'm excited for this year. I'm, I'm optimistic, even though at least one of the spots I was really banking on for early season, it looks like it's going to be a bust. I don't know. It's always, you go into the season with so much optimism, you got just brand new season. You never know what happens. I, I mean, I'll be honest. I've been working on one spot for three years now. Yeah. Still finding out new stuff every year. That's the nice thing. Like the same thing. I the spot that I had all those cows with the buck, I scouted just a few weeks ago and I learned a whole lot more. Like I pinpointed down where the two most likely crossings of over this creek are. And that's what I'm gonna focus on. Same thing like you said, that's like you get that area where you're the more likely area. And like you said, if you find as you learn more you pinpoint that yep. narrow that search area down a little bit just hedge your bet it's the best you can do that right i know yeah and then you're gonna try out some saddle maybe i am yeah. i think you just uh talked me right into trying that out i don't know i i hate the stigmatism that saddle honey's gotten <laughs> 
like it's like the golfer type mentality like yep. oh yeah oh you're a saddle hunter okay <laughs> yeah. haven't heard that before but i don't know i tried it and i fell in love with it it, it just worked for me i mean it's one of those things it's probably not going to be for everybody but you don't know till you try it yep. yeah. you know it could be great for a spot you want to scout your way in and just you know you're not going to have you don't get out of work in time or something you only got a couple hours you're still going to scout your way in and sit up on some good sign and you don't really want to lug around your sticks and your stand and you don't know if it's really going to be a good spot so you're going to spend you know 20 minutes getting up into the tree and get the stand situated and everything and yeah. that was the biggest thing like i i bought a mobile tree stand last year and even just like practicing with it it was like it's still paying the butt like, at least for me, anyways. Like, it was just like, it's, you're still dealing with this big, bulky metal thing. And then the saddle is like, you literally climb up the tree with your sticks, throw a rope around, connect it to yourself. Yeah. And you're set. I feel like it's less things you have to take in. Like, the new stand I ordered, yeah, it's only six and a half pounds. But you still get you still got your full harness on and your all your sticks and everything and the seat that's on it and your bag that you take in and like your saddle I see it's got all the accessory bags right on it. Yep. Like you don't have to carry an extra fanny pack or a backpack or something. Yeah, depending on how much you like to take with you, yeah, you can be very minimalized with it. Yeah, I mean, like my bigger sticks I ran last year. I had like I basically took like a, an end of a strap, double looped it, so I like shouldered. The, my climbing sticks right and then i had carry my bow in my other hand and that was aside from like the backpack that i like to carry with like some sand or my grunt tube or something like that in it like that was it so, I don't know. it's gonna be a new experience but i'm gonna give it a shot i'm always down to try something new yeah and it's really nice too the one thing i like about it too is like yeah it's the mobile stuff is really nice because i did have like a permanent stand out in the state land two years ago and it's like you you're just advertising your presence. Yeah. Like with the mobile stuff, you can take it all with you. You can slip in, slip out, none the wiser. No one knows you're hunting there. Yeah, no one knows you're hunting there. And say they catch you in a tree in one spot, they've pinned you if you're in a ladder stand. That's what I found out. Once they pin you, it's over. Yeah. Yeah. They look for that tree. They will they will that look spot. at that tr- they will look up that tree. Yeah. Exactly. Versus yeah. I could sit the same spot and I could sit every wind as long as it wasn't going to blow where they came in at. I could set multiple winds. I could set up on an off wind. I'm not strapped to one tree. Yep. Yep. Yeah. If they pin you in one spot or I've even done it where mid hunt realized that I was off a little bit, climb down, move trees. Yep. And you can be right up hunting within you know, 15, 20 minutes again. And you're in a better location. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that mobile stuff, it's especially if you're in an area where you're on a bigger area, state land, public land, whatever, it's, it's a game changer. Because, yeah, like I said, you can be super aggressive. If you blow that area out, you pull everything down with you that hunt. Like you said, move 20, 30 yards, and you're still in the hunt. Yeah, you're back in the game. Sometimes that's all it takes is 20, 30 yards and you're back in the game. Yep. Oh, I know, man. All, the, all you need is that deer to be a few steps one way or the other or yep. a couple of yards closer. And 
That's the difference, especially bow hunting, man. That's what I love about bow hunting. It's a game of feet. You one know, step or the other. You pick one, one tree over or another, and that can be between getting a shot or not. Yep. Like I don't know, like that. I love the challenge of it. Like then, but then it's usually at the point where it's like it's rifle season. I'm like, finally. I can reach out and touch them. Exactly. <laughs> and that, that's what I grew up was rifle hunting. I, I didn't really care for bow hunting. And I got the stigmatism of bow hunting. A lot of people wounding deer and I didn't, I don't want to wound no deer, but you know, it's, it's going to happen. You know, as I grew up then I started seeing people wounding deer with rifles too. Like, yeah, you know, they just rushed the shot or didn't bother to care or, or you still hear those stories every year. I don't understand it. I heard something, so I shot. Yeah. How do you not know what you're shooting at? Like, that was the the biggest thing my dad and grandpa ingrained in my head. You know what you're shooting at and what's behind it. Yeah. If you can't see it, you don't shoot. The only thing I can think of is that maybe some people get so much of a buck fever that, like, they get tunnel vision and just, like, their mind plays tricks on them. They see what's not really there and they assume what it is. I don't know. It's got to be something like that. I can't imagine people like actively shoot at something they don't know what it is. Yeah. Like they got to think they're seeing what what's not there or something. I don't know. That that's a good possibility, but I just I sit here and think about how do you mistake a horse for a deer or another human being? Yeah. How do you expect something blaze orange as yeah. a deer? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I know buck fever is a real thing, and but. Yeah. Like, How do you get that confused? Like, I will say that one time there was, like, I it was well, I was still a teenager, so I was young, so that's going to be my excuse, is, like, had a squirrel run through, and, like, you heard it, it sounded like a deer running, and, like, for a brief second, I thought I saw a deer, and all of a sudden, like, I finally, like, snapped out of it, and it's like, oh, that's a squirrel. Yep. Like, the sound of the deer, of the squirrel running had me convinced, so, like, my initial, like, movement, like seeing a movement, I saw a buck. Yep. But then all of a sudden, like, that's a squirrel. So I can see how that could potentially happen. Again, I was young, so maybe that was my excuse, but I don't know. It's all part of learning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. But, yeah, so you are, you're set up, man. You got your plan. I just got to execute it. <laughs> it just got it's got to fall into place, right? Exactly. So... Uh, are you all? Do you feel confident shooting your bow? I do. You confident? All right. <clears throat> and you got you got your your bow set up. Your you've drank the Kool Aid of heavy arrow, <laughs> single bevel, penetration is key. So, which you know what? I always laugh because you look back. That's how archery started. You had heavy arrows. You had smaller broadheads, and you got pass-throughs. Now, even just talking with or listening to people that do, like, tracking, like dog tracking-wise, from my understanding, the number one thing that will determine if you get a deer or not or if you recover your deer is if you get a pass-through. Yeah. So having that set up is more apt to get you your pass-through. So. And, you know, I, I'll be the first to tell you that the the stigmatism that the rage has got. I was using rage and I I have never 
shot a deer with my bow yet and i've only i've only got back into bow hunting for maybe like six seven years but um which is probably why i'm hooked is (laughs) i can't master it's like golf you go out there you still golf you ain't good at it but you're still out there you know Uh um but i i wasn't confident in the rages at all yeah had them wasn't confident yeah rage (sighs) they are fantastic if you're behind the shoulder, going through rib. <clears throat> if you make the perfect shot. If you wouldn't even necessarily need that. If you stay away from heavy bone, you're it's gonna create a huge uh you know, wound, lots of damage, plenty of blood. Like the one doe that I shot that I recovered with shooting rage, I mean I was walking at a normal pace, just following a clear path yep. to the deer. Now, I had shot a doe that I didn't recover because of the shot was forward. Probably hit the shoulder blade. Probably hit that scapula. Didn't get good penetration. It's a, just by design yep. how the faces work with that broadhead that Again, probably the other issue was, too, I didn't have real heavy arrows. If I had a heavier arrow that had more momentum, maybe would have had more punch, but I was still relatively light. A wide-cutting diameter broadhead, you burn up a lot of energy trying to make that big cut. I mean, I've harvested deer. I have friends that have used Braids for years. Love them. Yep. But... To if you want to get closer to that focal point of the vitals, get closer to the heart, you run that risk of you're going to get into that shoulder. If the deer ducks just right, turns just right, you're going to hit that shoulder. So by having a smaller cutting diameter, heavier arrow, one that's going to not burn through as much energy to cut and you know give you that boost of potential well, we should probably wrap this up anyways because we've right. been at it for almost an hour and a half now. You still need to get home so you can this is true. go to work in the morning. <laughs> and I can go to work in the morning. So you got a lot longer drive than I do. I'm only going to Cadillac tomorrow, so. No. All right. So anything else that we think we should wrap up? We covered your deer story, your deers, your bucks. Yes. Uh your plan, your strategy, new equipment, the new equipment. I think that covers it, man. It does. All right. Let's wrap this up so we can go eat some food. Sounds good. All right. A big thanks to Lee for coming on to the show. I kind of sprung it on him a little bit that we were actually going to be recording. I think he has a suspicion that I was going to set him up and get him sitting down to do a recording because I had brought up to him before about potentially doing one. Um, a lot of good information. I I really like the fact that being able to share just a different uh, hunter's approach to uh, deer hunting. You know, that's one thing I'm really been interested in, and just how everyone approaches or what their strategies are going into deer deer season or throughout the deer season on how you know what their thought process is, why they're hunting in the areas they are, because um, everyone's a little bit different on their approach to it. So it's really fun to listen to how other people uh, attack the season. So. But yeah, again, ran a little long. We got off a little off topic on a couple times, but 
that's what happens when you're talking with an old friend. So thank you for listening. I mean, deer season's right around the corners. I hope you're prepared. Hope you're ready to go. Hope you're getting excited. And with that, as always, get out there, be safe, and have fun.